The reformed faith we hold, teach or at least hear about today, has gone through moments of attack and great distress, with some of such moments being absolutely defining. Such a moment was the rise of the remonstrance, a crop that challenged five key teachings from the Belgic Confessions, a reformed confession which was meant to be defended by all reformed pastors, including the leader of the remonstrants himself, Jacobus Arminius. How did the reformed faith survive this moment? Today, on All Things Reformed Podcast, Episode 12. And welcome, dear listener. My name is Z Chunga. I'm joined by Pastor Confex, and we start by recapping on John Calvin moving all the way to the canons of Dort. Welcome, Pastor Confex. Yes. So, yeah, and really, Calvin wanted to spend the rest of his life with Butzer. Wow. Uh, it's an interesting story. Uh, so, John Calvin. He's a reformer. We looked a couple of episodes ago. He begins to speak the language of the reformers in France, in Paris. He's trying to push for reformation there. Then he sees how the Roman Catholic Church is responding to the reformation and realizes my life is at risk here. So he decides to leave uh, France to go to Switzerland. And really where he wants to go is to Butzer be mentored by him, and really what he wanted was just to live a normal life writing books, not to be a pastor, not to be a professor of pastors, but just writing. That's really what he wanted. And uh, he's forced because of these wars that are going on between Protestants and the Roman Catholic, and he's, John Calvin decides to change routes uh, straight to where Buta is. He goes to Geneva. And there he met his friend Pharrell. And Pharrell is excited. He knows John Calvin. He says, ah, this is a young man. The Lord is using him. He's, he's, he's very brilliant, gifted uh, theologian. And says, well, please, there is work here. I need help. Stay with me. Let's work together here. And John Calvin says, no, 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 no. That's not what I want. I just want to live low-profile life. I'm going to go to where Buddha is and write, and just be mentored by him. And Pharrell will not take that. Actually, it is said that he cursed, said, may the Lord curse your studies if you proceed to where you're going. And mm. uh, John Calvin is, is shaken by this, mm. and, uh, <laughs> and he decides to, uh, to stay uh, in, uh, in Geneva, and he begins to labor there. And, um, yeah, in God's providence, the Lord indeed uses him in a mighty way in Geneva. So he begins the work of reformation in there. He reforms the church because the church was originally Roman Catholic. Now uh, the church needs to become reformed. So he begins to do that. That will involve even changing the, the leadership of the church. It's no longer Roman Catholic, which is hierarchical. It's Presbyterian, it's reformed. So elders, pastors, and all that is going to do that. And he realizes the need to train pastors. So he's going to have... Uh, an institution there to train pastors, a college, a seminary to train pastors where John Knox will go or so and be, and be trained. Um, and, and, and John Knox makes a, an, 
an, an interesting remark about the church in Geneva. Yeah, you remember that he, he calls it, uh, says, uh, yeah, the church where he really learned what the church is, but also the school, mm. uh, he calls it the best school of Christ since the apostles. Yeah. So he benefits a lot from there. And of course, there are others also coming there. And John Calvin is also a preacher. He's preaching. Actually, uh, he's not preaching only on Sundays. He's preaching on Wednesdays, uh, an average of six to ten sermons in a week. Wow. Uh, and the Lord is using mightily there. Of course, at some point, uh, people will not like uh, his reforms, yeah. and they'll push him, he will go out, and then later they'll call him again to say, no, we need you, John Calvin, please come. So he's going to, to come and serve the Lord there until he dies. So the work that he begins there is growing and growing. And when John Calvin dies, his friend, Theodore Beza, uh, becomes his successor in Geneva. So he's the one leading the work. And as he's training pastors there, he receives another person from Netherlands, Jacobus Arminius, who comes to be trained in Geneva. So he's trained there, he graduates, and he receives a call back home in Amsterdam to say, uh, Jacobus Arminius, would you please come and be our pastor? And uh, so, so Jacobus Arminius is trained at Geneva after uh, Calvin has died. Yeah, after okay. Calvin has died. He All was right. really mentored by Theodore Beza, okay. uh, who was the successor of John Calvin. Uh, Jacobus Arminius will be very key in the development of the doctrines of grace. Right. So, yeah, he's trained there, and actually Theodore Beza writes a good recommendation to say, well, this, this is a good brother, he's a gifted pastor, please uh, let him serve in the church. So he goes to Amsterdam, he begins to pastor there, the Lord has gifted him, and then uh, eventually also uh, he receives a call to teach theology at Leiden University in Netherlands. And he goes there, he begins to teach theology. Now at this time, Netherlands is fully reformed. Mm -hmm. They have embraced the reformed faith. But it was at this university that Jacobus Arminius began questioning and doubting the reformed faith. And uh, he began questioning some of the key doctrines, particularly the doctrine of predestination. Is it really true that before the foundations of the earth were laid, that God chose some to be saved and others not, and chose them to condemnation? Uh, he wrestled with that and other doctrines of the Reformed faith. But uh, he will continue to teach and is going to die still teaching at Leiden University. But as you always know, there are always students and followers of a leader. Uh, Arminius had followers, had students that he taught, uh, had students uh, in whom he planted his doubts and questions of the Reformed faith. Hmm. And these students, as always, would take the step further. Uh, they want the church in Netherlands to embrace the teachings of Arminius and abandon the reformed faith. So as, I've, as you have already said, at this point, the church is connected to the state. They are one. So they appeal to the government of Netherlands to say, well, what we as a nation have been holding on all these years, the reformed faith, is not biblical. What is biblical are these points that they present. So they present five points which are arguing against five points 
or the reformed faith. So that man is totally depraved. That man is a sinner, unable to save himself. They deny that. Yes, he's depraved, but not very, very badly depraved. Predestination, they deny that. Um, yeah, Christ, when he came and died on the cross, he died for everyone, even those who will not be saved. The reformed faith will say, no, Christ died only for those who believe in him and those who believe in him. If the Lord wants to save you, can you reject the grace of God? And the reformed faith says, no, you can't resist the grace of God. But they say, no, you can reject. Even though the Lord wants to save you, you can reject that and not be saved. Uh, but also, if the Lord saves you, he will keep you until the end. They say, well, you can lose your salvation. Uh, so those are the five points that they present to the, to the government to say, well, we want the church to embrace this. And they ask for the government to call for a synod, a council, a gathering, to discuss their five points uh, so that they are embraced. So they, they did that in 1610, uh, but uh, uh, the government was a bit uh, slower to do that until uh, 1618. That's when they called for the Synod of Dort mm -hmm. to discuss the, uh, the five points that uh, the students and the followers of Arminius were called the Lemonstrants because they were protesting against the five points of the Reformed faith. Who is calling for the Synod of uh, Dort? Yeah, so it's the government. So they appeal to the government, and because the state and the church are one at this time, it's the government officials say, well, please meet as a synod and discuss this and reach a conclusion. What should the church believe? The synod of Dodd meets, 1618 to 1619, uh, with delegates, most of them from uh, Netherlands, uh, 62 delegates from Netherlands, but also they have 27 delegates from other countries, including Switzerland and uh, Great Britain and other countries. They come uh, to participate in this synod as delegates. So they examine uh, the teachings of Arminius and the synod of Dodd rejects them to say, these are not biblical. And the synod of Dodd upholds the five points that the remonstrants, the followers of Arminius were rejecting. And these five points of the reformed faith are later going to be called the doctrines of grace. And there is an acronym that is used for easy remembering. It's the tulip. The tulip is a very beautiful flower that you can easily find in Netherlands. And the T stands for total depravity. So the Synod of Dort says, we agree with the Reformed faith. According to the scriptures, man is totally depraved. He is incapable of any spiritual good. And the U stands for unconditional erection and say, yes, we agree with the teaching of scripture that God chose to save us unconditionally. It's not like God looked into the future and said, well, oh yeah, that person will believe then I'll choose him. No, God chose us unconditionally. And then limited atonement. The question is, when Christ died on the cross, did he die for everyone or only those that God had chosen and they will believe in him? And the Synod of God says, we agree with scripture that Christ died only for those who believe in him and who will believe in him. He lays down his life for his ship. His ship, yes. We're going to look in detail as we discuss this point of doctrine. Right. And then the I, irresistible grace. Uh, when God wants to save you, can you resist that? There's no way. Uh, if God has chosen you, you will surely be saved. He's going to work his grace in your life, irresistible grace. 
and then the P. I, I, I'll, I'll have to take you on on this one. Yes. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. During that episode. Yeah, okay, all right. Because man has free will. <laughs> yes, has a free will. We'll right, discuss that. Right, okay. Yeah, we'll discuss okay, that. All right. Uh, but also, don't forget, man is totally depraved. The will is depraved as well. So, very important to keep that in mind. Right. But we'll discuss that when we come to this point of doctrine. Okay. And the P uh, is per- perseverance or the sense. Uh, uh, we Presbyterian, we like that, the perseverance or the sense. But our friends in the Baptist, Reformed Baptist, they like eternal security. Right. Uh, but it, it uh, then um, makes the tulip not be tulip. So it's the P, uh, perseverance or the sense, uh, that uh, once the Lord has saved you, uh, you will remain saved until the end. This also is where we leave it for today. Please email us your thoughts about the program. And any questions you may have, you can email us on atreformed at gmail.com. atreformed, one word, at gmail.com. You can also inbox us on All Things Reformed podcast page on Facebook. <laughs>